Welcome to the Revitalize Vital podcast, where we take amazing people and topics and understand what makes them vital. I founded Revitalize Clinic in 2013 to provide you with the team of experts you need to be pain-free, mentally well, and physically fit. Contact us for your free consultation with an expert to start your journey online or face-to-face. Now, today we have Nikki Mahone, who is a friend and of whom I am a fan. From a, oh, young age, <laughs> from a young age, Nikki has thrived in environments such as dance and art, showing from an early age creative flair. After completing a degree in graphic design for Bournemouth University, Nikki quickly set up a side hustle selling finely sourced jewellery online. Over the years, she has been a finalist for three Kaiba Kent Excellence in Business Awards for her excellence in business and has also featured in beauty publications and Bangra music videos. How are you doing today, Nikki? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? All good, thank you. All Thanks good. for having me on. No, 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 not at all. My pleasure. My pleasure. Now, today, um, I think that to put the interview or to put the conversation into context, the reason why I wanted to get you on today is entrepreneurialism or business, businessmen or businesswomanship is close to my heart because it's enabled me to scale what I value or what I think other people value when it comes to health and when it comes to uh, their own self-development but at the same time when I think of entrepreneurialism or or business ship there is a certain foundation to it which involves a lot of self-development and I'm sure that you've gone through periods of time where you've had to dig deep and get the most out of yourself. Definitely I think that's a really good way to put it is that you do sort of dig deep to sort of find the reason why you want to do something like that because obviously it takes a lot of courage and a lot of determination and you have to put up with a lot of stress as well so you want to make sure the reason behind it is there just so you can carry on going I guess when it gets a bit tough but I think um I think my reasons were one of two which was a I finished I, I did a computer animation degree at uni um just because I was always really creative at school and it was something I loved and I thought maybe I could work for DreamWorks or Pixar and I just for some reason just plucked that out of thin air almost because I was at a very young age to make that sort of decision as we all are and um, I left that degree feeling I almost felt like a bit of an outsider in that degree everyone was really outgoing and no everyone was sorry I was more outgoing everyone else was more introverted and they would sort of rather work through the night and have less social activity and I was more of like somebody who quite comfortable in the forefront or like who likes presenting stuff or doing something like this like a podcast for example and I didn't really feel like that environment uh you know for the rest of my career would have been suited to me at all and I think when I left uni and I realized that I completed the degree but I knew I didn't want to do it so I felt lost I didn't know what my career would end up being I sort of had a load of mismatched skills like you said like I did um art things that I enjoyed I enjoyed dancing just loads of sort of creative things that I enjoyed but I just didn't know where to apply them or what to put them towards and I think when I realized I wanted to do the business that was the it just just, everything just sort of pulled together and started to make sense which was so refreshing exactly what I needed at the time I think to give myself a bit more self-confidence when it comes can we just go back to that point in time where you were feeling that you were lost and I take it that that inevitably made you feel like you were at a junction and you can yeah. either continue doing what you were going to do or you had to create change. But yeah. the thing with business is that that change or to take that step is almost like going into the abyss. You have no idea mm. what awaits for you when you take that first step. Yeah. So what I wanted 
to know is how it felt to step into uncertainty at that time and how old were you at the time as well? So I was 23 when I decided to, uh, at the time I didn't really know what I was doing, I was, I was just sort of starting privately. That all for me was the best thing to do at the time because um, I think as soon as you start telling everybody you're going to do something psychologically, you sort of have that satisfaction from announcing it that you don't always follow through so say if you say i'm going to start the gym from next thursday and then everyone's like, oh that's really good well done you almost have got that satisfaction you ha- you won't necessarily follow through and i feel like as soon as i wanted to announce i wanted to be completely ready and doing it in private and just setting everything up like the logo and the website and everything was a was a great opportunity for me to sort of dig deep like you say and find myself again because I felt so lost and I needed something to focus all of my mishmat skills on so definitely I think that was when I sort of stared it in the face and I thought now is the time to try something new and just purely for me okay so you benefited because it's it's interesting because you're 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 huge on Instagram and a lot of your traction at least initially came through media from some form at least right so whether it was yeah. from Instagram or whether it was from some music videos that you did and it helped you to gain an online following but what you're not saying is that it was essential for you to have a period of time where you lost that transparency to find yourself absolutely but, you know yeah funnily at the time I had that those uh, so the music videos I was in the sort of dance background and I was familiar with sort of uploading things to YouTube and I had around 10,000 followers on Instagram before I even thought about doing anything business related. And that was just from posting like beauty stuff or outfits. And it, for me, it didn't really have a proper purpose. And when I got a full-time job after uni, um, I just did a sort of technical job in London for a little while. And um, I felt silly. I felt like a bit embarrassed about the Instagram account. And I felt like it was inappropriate. And I, did, I thought I wouldn't be able to be seen as, you know, in a, in a serious way. So I actually deleted my entire Instagram account. So I went from 10,000 followers to zero because I didn't just deactivate it. I fully deleted it just so I could be taken more seriously. And actually doing that, I feel like I stripped back everything. All of my social media before that had no purpose. And then when I rebuilt it back up, I built it back up with a purpose. And I think that helped me understand what I was doing on social media. When it comes to the draw of social media and how many people find themselves in mental or emotional turmoil by I suppose being emotionally attached to their Instagram account or Mm. to their Facebook following or anything like the YouTube following anything like that did you find that the ability to get rid of it and knowing that you had the ability to say yeah I'm not I don't need this in my life do you find that actually retrospectively might have made have may have helped you now today in how you look at social media maybe I think actually I look back on it and I feel a bit envious of the fact that I could do that then because almost now I I do genuinely want a break from it sometimes because it is very intense to have all of these people passing their judgments and opinions and sometimes if you're not feeling mentally strong that day you just the last thing you want to do is put yourself out there for tens of thousands of people um so the fact that I was able I could delete it then because it didn't have a purpose there wasn't a reason behind it at the time. So that was fine. I actually wouldn't be able to do that now. My, my um, livelihood depends on me posting on Instagram 
at least a portion of it anyway and I've get I've got other platforms that my business sells on but um Instagram is important and even if I just want a sort of holiday from it I just think you know that would affect my sales so I'm almost trapped in a way in, in it I have to keep going despite how I feel about it now and again and do you, do you feel that pressure of I suppose the beauty of beauty of social media is you can scale up your personality you can scale up your platform so whereas you might only be able to talk to one individual at a time say like a hundred years ago now you can put something out and it reaches hundreds of thousands of individuals but do you find on the flip side that it also scales up the interaction between how many people can interact with you at once and Mm. my second question is if that is the case do you ever encounter people feel entitled for a response when they contact you on social media? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is, this is definitely a a good point to bring up. I feel like on Instagram, I just sort of, I do have that pressure now and again. So I'll just go into your last question, which was um, about feeling the pressure to answer questions every now and again. So naturally now I've turned it into a business. I, they, they are my customers. So it's a completely different relationship. I have to sort of differentiate who are followers, who are customers, who are priority, who are not, and adjust how I speak to each person. So there'll be somebody be like, oh, where'd you get your jeans from? Completely, you know, not an important question as to, hello, I placed an order last week. When can I expect it? So I do have to sort of, I do have that pressure where I'm answering very different questions on a day-to-day in a different way, putting on two different personas because my account's, a sort of personal account as well as the business account. Um, and if you could, you remind me of your first first two questions. So that is the first. So the first question was um, obviously the fact that social media, as an innovation, has enabled people to scale up. Their oh yeah. But then, also, yeah. But then also, and then the second question was whether people feel entitled for you to respond to them. You've already brushed on it. Yeah. So I think the the whole point with the social media thing is I'm. It's, <sighs> there's such a huge positive to it. And I know it comes with its um, troubles now and again, and occasionally I would like a break from it. Um, but it definitely comes with its positives in that I can literally reach a global audience. Uh, imagine it, the difference to being a sort of shop in a high street to being online like that. It's amazing. And it's free. It can be free. Uh, only recently they've sort of changed the algorithm to encourage more businesses to spend money for their um post to be seen but it, uh, when I first started I was just able to access thousands and thousands of people in terms of showing them my products and not have to pay anything and it was absolutely foolproof if I could keep growing that uh, organically just based on them being interested in me as a person and then occasionally sell them a product on the side it was just a really um, but this is sort of before most people were doing it so it was just a really good idea at the time and I'm proud of myself for pursuing it but it is sort of it's a tough one now I think you are programmed to only really have a small circle of friends that like, I think you've sort of brushed upon. And then when you're suddenly put out there for that many people to sort of have an opinion of you, I'll try and open conversations with you. It definitely gets overwhelming. And I find myself, I look at my phone less and less uh, recently because I just, and just don't feel like I can handle it too often. If that makes sense. So, based on that and then there was a few things that you alluded to and it just made me think of this question especially about the example when you had the individual who was 
asking about where you got your genes from, but then there's another person asking about where the rulers were. Do yeah. you find that the line between Nikki the business, Nikki, uh, is it Nikita by Nikki? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Nikki the person, do you ever find that line gets blurred, blurred at all? Yes, I do actually. I, I find it quite frustrating if I were to get a sort of customer inquiry, a formal one, through direct message on Instagram, because I personally feel like they're very separate things and I almost think I I, I just feel like I, you know on an account like that I'll get so many strange men message me every now and again and say now that Instagram have made it so if you post a story people can reply to that story so my dms just get flooded really quickly and it's not because I'm saying I'm very popular it's not because of this it's just because of the amount of followers I have and it's just how it works every now and again especially if I'm posting a lot of stories and stuff so for somebody to ask oh um, I got the address wrong on my order can you change it please in a dm and I'm working through emails all day I won't see that until later on when I check my instagram and then I've missed that inquiry but really the customers should know that that's sort of an inappropriate place to maybe send kind of like an urgent email so I think finding the patience to cope with uh, everything being so mixed all the time is quite hard because I think people underestimate uh, how different those sides of me can be and I also it is frustrating because I do want to be a business page I want to be an entrepreneur I want people to follow me for that and I do have other interests obviously hello <laughs> um yeah, so I do have other interests obviously like I um enjoy uh, home decor I enjoy beauty stuff I do so I'll occasionally talk about them but then I think people get confused and would then expect me to go out of my way to find them the link to those jeans. So like, where'd you get your jeans from? I'll reply, ASOS. Can you send me the link? And I was like, oh no, I'm not a fashion influencer. That's what I feel like saying, but that would just be unkind. So then I'm constantly trying to like bounce between the two roles, I guess. And if we were to, because obviously there's a lot of depths to to um, Nikki the person and also Nikki the, Nikki the business or Nikita by Nikki it, yeah. just so I can put it across in a in almost like a metaphor or in in graphical format if you were to mm. think of the iceberg of mm. of of yourself yeah and uh what people see versus yeah. what goes on behind closed doors how mm. much of the iceberg is above water that people can see and how much is actually yeah. under the, the water surface that's that's a Again, a very good way of putting things. You're good with your metaphors. But um, I uh, I like to think that I'm showing more of that. I'm sort of, I'm more prepared to like go barefaced on my Instagram where I never used to before. I'm more prepared to show myself in the office in a hoodie and leggings where I never would before. I used to only ever present myself when I'd be at my best. And I now I want to have, I want to be producing more relatable content. I want to... Uh, build a real relationship with my customers not have uh, my followers see me as some sort of beauty guru so it's like I'm showing more and more and genuinely I feel less and less stress or and pressure when I do that because I'm actually just being myself and it takes away a lot of the sort of mask I I don't have to put on such a mask every time I post so it's, it's better all around for everyone so I need to show more of it and I'm gradually getting used to it. And people are enjoying that sort of content more on social media anyway nowadays. They like nice. the real relatable stuff. That's good to hear. Yeah. Maybe I can get maybe I can get my following up now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I can take advantage. <laughs> <laughs> good time, you should. 
<laughs> I'll try. <laughs> when it comes back to the, the 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 phoenix rising from the ashes moment that a lot of individuals experience, I know that you experience this under the the stress of um, I suppose the conflicts that you were experiencing. One wanting to one part of yourself wanted, I suppose, maybe security or a traditional job role, or at least do ho- pay homage to your degree. But then yes. the other part of you wanted to pursue that creative side of yourself. Uh, that business side of yourself, what do you think might have happened if the pressure to change actually wasn't that big? So what do you think would have happened if your job was actually not too bad? If the situation you were in wasn't actually burning you too hot? Interesting. Because you know, it wasn't. It really wasn't because I look back on it. I loved my job. It was a really lovely job. I love the people there. But I think it was... it was my relationship at the time that made me feel inadequate. And that for me was a trigger to find something for me to reconfirm a few things about myself. And I honestly, this was completely subconscious. I had no awareness of it at the time. It was only like now I look back and I think that's why I did it because I just was, I felt inadequate and I'm glad I did because I wouldn't have started the business. So and obviously, yeah. Put it this way: say if your boyfriend wasn't, or your ex wasn't so much of a prick. What, yeah. <laughs> do you, do, what do you think would have would have happened? Do you think that you would have um, continued doing what you were doing, or do you think that you would have inevitably had to dip into that creative entrepreneurial oh. side of yourself eventually? It's such a good question because I'm trying to remember my business drive before I entered that relationship, and I think. Don't, I think I toyed with ideas. Like I always wanted a little business. Like I think I toyed with the idea of having a restaurant one day. And I was, my mind was always coming up with ideas. So I would have done something creative, whether it was a business of my own or not, I don't know. But I probably would have definitely had a side thing that would keep my creative brain going. So I think when you're, when you're wired that way and you're in a sort of nine to five and it's repetitive and it's more... Um, what's the word more like strategic and all of that I think your creative brain needs an outlet so I would have definitely found something whether it would have been with the amount of zest that I had at the time of creating this uh or like I probably had a lot of anger behind me to be honest and that's why I put aside a lot of time for it and just went ahead um it may have happened but maybe just a bit later on down the line perhaps or in a slightly different scenario I don't know it's a different outcome maybe you're right. you- interesting (laughs) do you feel like you used the anger yeah i I, oh it's so funny because now now at this age i'm 28 now and i feel so much more emotionally tuned into myself but when i look back at me at 23 i think i was just sort of plodding along like i was just sort of doing what i needed to do at the time and at the time i needed something for myself to be proud of and that's what i did and there were two reasons because of uni and it's because the extra pressure from entering a relationship where, um, yeah, their family sort of saw me as not being uh, a professional and not being successful enough. Um, it's sort of an Indian mindset, unfortunately, where um, if you're not a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or have a sort of really um, confirmed position like that, you're not necessarily going to be successful. Or you're not a good match for someone. Um can, can we go a bit deeper into that? Because it's, it's interesting to me you say that because growing up around a lot of individuals who I hold very dear and close, who are 
um, of, from North Indian descent, or from Punjabi Sikh descent. Entrepreneurialism yeah. seems to be the staple of the community, yet it seems that, and it's quite common for, um, say, second generation immigrants to experience this, that they get rid of the risk and they go for professionalism. So you get almost like yeah. a first generation of shop owners, business yeah. owners, construction workers who work mm. their way up. And then second generation, it's all about dentistry, being a doctor, being a lawyer or something like that. So it's oh, so interesting. Maybe it's because I think if you really think back on it, the whole Asian invasion, when when that happened and when everyone <laughs> when everyone came into the country, they obviously had a lot to prove. So naturally they're thinking, you know, they have that pressure to prove themselves and to be uh what's the word? An academic or to start a business. So I, I understand it but it's too old school. It's 2020. It doesn't apply now. So that's why I get frustrated because that mindset is ridiculous because you'd want your son to marry a woman who's a doctor or a dentist, but then you'd also want her to bear his children and be a great mum. But what if she's got like six masters and you know, it doesn't, they don't coincide. You either, you want one or the other. And it's a completely confusing and destructive to put that expectation on children. So you're going for almost, it's almost like um, for pride rather than function. What was that, sorry? It's for pride rather than function. It doesn't have that, an actual, yeah. it doesn't yeah. have a, an outcome that is necessarily yeah. desirable or worth it in some instances, but it's yeah. more for the family pride. Yeah, you, so the pride would be the job title, but then the yeah. actual function and the, what they want is somebody who would be at home to look after the kid, children, look after their son and keep the house nice. But they don't, they don't complement one another. So to have the, both expectations, it just doesn't work. There'll be, be young women of Indian descent will be sort of frowned upon if they're not married and have kids by 30. It's, but then they're have, supposed to have these sorts of careers. So I don't know. Do you or do anyone that you know ever find the pressure quite suffocating? So it's it, in a way that um, you, you might run the risk of becoming a shell of yourself that on the outside, yep, you might be able to, to flaunt this professionalism, but on the inside, you're mm. missing something that is not being fulfilled when it comes to putting yourself out in the world and doing your best work. Yeah, so do you mean in terms of the expectation of Indian society? Yeah, because like... it translates. I, I mean, when, when we look at, for example, the Nigerian community, very, very similar in yeah. the sense of the amount of pressure that's put on children to attain these professional um professional titles so i was yeah. wondering from your perception as to whether or not that could be quite whether it could be quite suffocating at times oh definitely I'm, I'm quite lucky my family are not old school at all so i've sort of been able to grow up and be free and i think that's why maybe it's because i was the third child i was a lot i'm the youngest maybe i was allowed to have that sort of creative freedom um, where they do say that scientifically, apparently the, like the youngest child is always the more creative because the parents have sort of done their job with the first kids or the first two kids, but they relax a lot more with the last kids. So maybe that was why I was able to do that. And, you know, uh, culturally, there's not been much pressure on me, but my brothers uh, married an English lady and like, they're very happy. And that's all I've known, like as a nice uh, sort of uh, broad understanding of the culture but not being too tied down to it so for me to sort of enter a relationship with that was really prominent I wasn't ready for that and I didn't understand it because I hadn't grown up like that 
So what about the pressure of entrepreneurialism? Because it seems that at the moment that entrepreneurialism is going through a little bit of a pop culture phase where everyone wants to claim to be an entrepreneur. A lot of yeah. people will claim to be an entrepreneur before they've even laid those foundations that you did behind closed doors. Yeah. Do you ever feel that that puts undue pressure on yourself? Do you ever find yourself comparing yourself to other entrepreneurs or do people compare you to other entrepreneurs, for example? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I've noticed there's a definitely more of a push on like female boss vibe. So in terms of women entering business, it's become like really praised, and which it should be, it's great. But it is, it's become really idealistic and something that you want to achieve. But I think I'm lucky with the sort of timing of mine. Like I, I think I, where I've started it, 2015 end of 2014 I like to think that that was before a lot of people were sort of flaunting that side of themselves on social media social media was just completely different back then and I'm lucky I did it then because I think I didn't have those pressures I didn't have too many people to compare myself to it felt like so I sort of it felt organic for me but I imagine if I were to enter that now and try I would feel pressure I almost wonder I don't want to be that sort of person on Instagram that's almost glamorizing and pressurizing girls to start their own business but you don't have not everyone should it's not for everybody that's something to like really remember it isn't for everybody only a certain type of person would want the pressures and would want the um all the creative side of running a business some people are happier and better in a sort of uh, working for someone else and having a more um sort of what's the word traditional work life so I guess it's just depends on the person so. do you feel that it also helped you to I suppose dip your toes in the water before you went all in because you were how can I put this I, I me personally I don't respond very well to going all in and letting mm. fear and adrenaline mm. enable me to make the most rational decisions I would much rather do what you did which is to yeah. set up a side hustle on the side test it mm. and see if mm -hmm. it grows over time yeah. Do you feel that was the right thing for you to do? Would you, if you were to say set up another business, is that the same way that you'd do it? Yeah, I think so. I look back and I, I pat myself on the back, I think, because I didn't take any financial risk, which is good. The business, I didn't take a loan. I didn't have to borrow money. I didn't have to risk too much of my own. I literally, it was so clean. And I am proud of myself for that because I think what all I did was I had a job. I used some of the money from that job. Say if I bought, spent £100 on some necklaces, because originally I started off buying in products and selling them, and then eventually I started to gain the confidence to design my own and change everything. And it, it's all progressed from there to really unique products. But when I started, again, dipping my toe in the water, and I would spend £100 on necklaces, say if I sold them for uh, a bit more than I ordered them for, as soon as I'd made that £100 back, spend that on another set of necklaces, things like that. So it was just clean. And I'm glad I did it that way because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anyone else that was doing it. Obviously, aside from my, my dad runs a business. So, but it was just, it seemed very different at the time for me. And I didn't have the best relationship with my dad at the time. It wasn't like super open. And um, so I wouldn't necessarily talk to him about it, but I would see that I'd grown up with it. So I'd know that, you know, if you get something in, you can sell it. There are ways to sell things. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. I'm glad I did it that way. It worked for me. I learned as I went and I didn't put too much pressure on myself. It was actually fun. 
I didn't start selling the jewellery to think oh, I'm going to have a massive business one day. I did it to think, oh, I wonder if I can make a bit of pocket money. And then when I made more pocket money than I was getting at my full-time job, I thought this makes sense to do it properly. People want a website. People want different collections. So it was organic and I liked that about it. And what keeps you moving forward? What are you looking at in, in, in uh, the future to, to continue to put in the amount of effort that you do? Um, I think I need to maintain a good reputation. I think that's a big thing for me. I think I've done well to get the reviews and feedback that I have. And I'm really pleased with that because it's been so hard. It's been hard to sort of cope with any negative reviews, any negative criticism and sort of turn them into positive things and then keep evolving your brand. So I sort of, I keep looking ahead to that. I just want my, I want to just be so happy happy enough with my website and my collections and my designs that I feel very confident approaching large retailers. So recently got my crystal water bottles into Harvey Nichols, which was a huge deal for me. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I really chuffed with that. And that wasn't even, I didn't approach them, they approached me. So that was almost even more reassuring thinking I'm ready now to approach large retailers and to come from someone who was just buying things in and selling it on to creating my own products and then feeling confident enough to approach a retailer. It, it's a good feeling so um as long as i sort of continue that i'm going to keep refining my range and then i think for me just like personally i just would love a, a lovely home with jack and little dog one day i just want to be uh have a very comfortable environment for me that's just what i thrive off i don't know everyone's different but that's everyone some people want to go on holidays some people want the money to do this i just want to have a very comfortable day to day and when it comes to you refining your product range, is that because that's a goal that you set yourself or is it because you, you attribute a certain meaning to that or you, you, you're able to, to say that means this about me? When I get to there, that means this yeah. about me. Okay. Do you know what? I think what it is, it's where um, when I first used to buy the products and sell them on, other people could very easily do the same. So that's what was happening. I had a few copycats. Um, that was a massive learning curve for me. Again, at the time, it was just pocket money. It wasn't anything serious. But now... The more unique I make a product, the more I feel untouchable. I feel like that's mine. Took me bloody ages. I'm sure, I know people can eventually, if they wanted to really copy something, they could. But I know that it's a lot harder to do that. And I, I just feel prouder. And then I think with that comes confidence and you need confidence to approach a large retailer. So I think the more unique and more refined my products are, the better I'll feel. Um, because I wouldn't want to go and do something like that before I'm ready. Um, there are some there are some products on my website that sell well, but they're not my favourite. But it wouldn't make business sense to pull them, so I sell them. But I would eventually like just ones that I love, despite it maybe not making the best business sense. But yeah, just eventually getting there. It's nice to hear as well because it's very rare that someone's creativity um, and their ability to imagine is an asset in that sense. When you look at other um, industries or think of the kids at school, the daydreamers weren't really the ones mm. who actually, you know, went, had, had the traditional outcome or the traditional mm. goals when it comes to school. So it's nice. It's amazing mm. that because you're 27 or 28? Oh. 28 now. Yeah, it's amazing. 28. Yeah. You can, your, your biggest asset is your creativity, your imagination, <laughs> your ability to daydream and to, to think yeah. up fresh products. That's nice. Thank That's really you. Nice. I think I was really pleased when I realised that 
the people that follow me and buy from me, they trust my taste because originally I was following trends. So whatever was trending, I'd buy it in and I'd sell it. And that was a, it was a foolproof business model. Lots of people make money off that, all the big retailers. But for me, I think it's when I started just going by my gut that's what's been working for me so far is just going by the things that I think are beautiful and hoping everyone else does. Some things don't work out. Some products don't fly off the shelves like I predicted them to. But when that, when that works, it's really reassuring. And you need that sort of reassurance now and again to keep designing and keep doing new stuff. Otherwise, it gets hard to do bits for yourself all the time. When it, came, when it comes to your initial motivation, your initial motivation was that you... I suppose, wanted self-worth, that you wanted something for yourself. Mm. Do you still have that? Do you still have a, a negative uh, emotion or a negative part of, 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 of your mind which drives you forward as well? Um, I feel like it's less about trying to prove myself. But it's more... Oh, that's a really interesting question. What is actually driving it? It's more maintaining it. It's more just not letting all of it go, like not letting... Does that scare you? Yeah. So the, the couple of things that give me that anxiety about the business is, A, just all of a sudden becoming not relevant. That would be horrible because I can, I've got the following, I can keep pushing and hopefully get more sales. But to become, all of a sudden, everyone stop caring or stop trusting my taste in products, that would, that would be bad. That would hurt me. And then the second thing was always copying. So I do have that in the back of my mind that like people can copy design. So I need to think about, you know, the legal side of it a lot more. And then negative reviews. It's so funny because you end up creating and starting something so beautiful and fresh in your bedroom. And then eventually it turns into just every day putting out fires. That that happens. It happens as you run a business. You end up delegating all the creative, lovely stuff. And then you're the one sort of putting out fires or... And those days are the least enjoyable for me because you can't create on those days. You're just sort of maintaining. Do you know what I mean? hundred percent. And do you, I mean, I, I don't think that I suppose my sector and the sector I'm in, I don't have to put out as many fires. Yeah. Uh, so some of the fires I have to put out are quite big and a bit nasty, but yeah, yeah. of course. When it, when it, sorry, yeah, go on. I was going to say, have you found like those sorts of things that like, what sort of like worries you in terms of, I think that the the biggest worry for me would be not getting all the good out of myself that I possibly can. And I think that I, a lot of the time, view my day or view my life or my year as I just want to squeeze that tube of toothpaste and get every last bit of productivity oh. or good out of it. And um, I think that's what drives me. Hmm. The other is to is to make sure that I'm not, fulfilling the negative stereotype that might have been that I might have been labeled by previously mm. and by by other people um, which isn't the nicest but it gets me out of bed <laughs> early in the morning <laughs> to to try and smash the day but yeah. my my towards motivation is once again the same is to squeeze every last bit of potential out of me as I can to yeah. try and come up with you, scalable ways to help people are yeah. you proving anything or what sort of is there any sort of what's why sorry i don't mean to turn this completely no, on you <laughs> i know you're going to interview me but i just wondered like what what are you are you fulfilling something what in you terms mean? of the wanting to be productive every day or is it just a like a something's in your genetics that you just feel 
you don't like chilling too much you just want to always achieve something i'm not too sure if it's in my genetics because when i was a kid i was always the one to draw and to think and to read and so i don't Mm. think the fight in me is is that genetic but i remember getting very very angry from the age of nine or ten onwards until i was about Mm. maybe 17 18 and it was purely based on the fact that especially then you know early they they did pass a law where they weren't able allowed to do it but just to shed some light in the early 2000s it was and and late 90s so i would have been you know 10 upwards you know 10 to 15 they were able to for example report the race of a of a suspect on the news so all you used to hear is because everyone i mean the 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 draw and the 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 taste or the desire to see a violent black person on tv is just unrivaled people when it when you come to the music that people want to listen to and the films Mm. that they want to see so much of the time it involves a violent yeah hyper masculine black person and that brought attention my way which shaped me Mm. in not the the best of ways because it didn't enable me to express who I was but then at the same time it involved a lot of name calling being passed my way and and yeah. you end up becoming that very angry hyper masculine that person <laughs> that everyone's trying to stereotype yeah. you to be so I think that from there you know 18 19 I started to to read a lot more about my history the right way mm. um, and start to read about very strong influential people the right way and um, I think that then laid the foundations for me to become the person I want to be. And mm. I suppose yet yeah, that is in some, in some sense to run away or to fight off that negativity that might have come. Mm. Mm. I see. It's almost like a stereotype thing. You sort of feel the drive to defy it. Yeah, but almost to go deeper into yourself. Because if I were to, um, if I was to say, you, you're a fish... And you mm. and you say no, I'm not. I don't even go near the water. And mm-hmm. uh, you, it might not, but it might. You might do that, and you might necessarily prove me, prove to me that you're not. Or you might prove to yourself that you're not a fish, but you haven't proven to yourself who Nicky Mahone is. Yeah, yeah. Find out who Nicky Mahone is. You need to do some introspection. You need to learn about yourself and look deep into yourself and find out exactly who you are. So oh, I think that. Um, <laughs> so I think that yeah, initially you ricochet into the opposite direction, mm. but then after that you've kind of escaped that crowd, mm. and you've uh, shown that crowd who you really are and or who you're not. Let's say not who you are, but who you're mm. not. You then need to show yourself who you are. You need to. Oh, it's so true. Isn't you've experienced it? that as well. Or? Yeah, I guess so. Like obviously the relationship and stuff I was in, I was sort of like, I'm not. And, you know, I'm not, I am going to be something. It's like, I'm not a waster. I'm not, not worthy. That kind of thing. And then you start thinking, okay, I am this, I am that. So you sort of go from, you, you want to prove people wrong. You sort of. Absolutely. You need to actually find out who you are. So I guess that's what this was, I guess. But the beautiful thing is that you actually escaped that. Because the, mm. the think of the flip side of it would be that if you were actually another individual who was comfortable in that situation, mm. and say if you were with that spouse and you were in that family who mm. never let you understand who exactly you were, you might not know who you are until you're 50, 55, or even until your spouse has died. There are a lot yeah. of individuals who don't even know who they are until their so spouse true. passes, they mourn. And they're like, who am I? I was, yeah. I, I was oppressed for the entire time mm. during my marriage and during living with yeah. my family. I don't know, even know who I am, but you were able to find that out 
age 23. Yeah. Do you know what? So I think it was when I started this to sort of almost prove to myself. So I had the confidence to sort of pack myself in that sort of environment. You know, I know I'm worthy. I know I can make as much money as a dentist if I want to. But then even when I'd done that, it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't seen as successful. It still wasn't up to the same power as being a lawyer. That's when I thought I need out because nothing I ever do will be would be good enough. So, and I, I genuinely think it's, I, I know now it wasn't a reflection on me. I think it's actually something that um, will be a problem for anyone in that situation. Like, so it's, it's on them, not me. And I know that now. Absolutely, it's on them. It is. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it's definitely I'm, on them. Yeah. I'm grateful for it though. It sounds silly, but I am because I just, I don't know what I would have done. My family have been so supportive and kind. Maybe I would have just, just done something that was not fulfilling. Obviously I have this inside of me, this sort of drive to have my own business. Maybe I would have been content doing something other than that. But So this, here's the question for you in terms mm. of that drive inside you. Do you mm. ever think, was it ever possible that that could have been extinguished? Is it ever possible that, do you think that for yourself, let's start with yourself, mm. that if you would have kept that part of you oppressed long enough, that it would have disappeared? Yeah. That's a I shame, isn't so. it? What a shame yeah. that would be. Yeah, I reckon you start, it's, it's all self-doubt related, isn't it? It's all just, if you start, if you start self-doubt, the only thing, I'm glad I did it organically because it didn't feel, feel like I needed to really overthink anything. I didn't think, oh, am I capable of doing this? Like, what if I, would I, you know, I didn't think it would ever, I'd ever go on Amazon and I'd be able to sort of have all these different platforms and eventually go into Harvey Nichols. I didn't let myself, I know, I know it's a, it's a, it's a different frame of mind completely because you're sort of told to think forward and to dream, dream big and all this. But when you do that, you end up just scaring yourself sometimes and actually not pursuing things. If you do it step by step, you're constantly making progress. And you're not letting yourself get consumed by fear and stopping yourself doing things. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's the biggest change yeah. that I think I've made over the past. Since since I tried to open up the the, the two new clinics, mm. to get hit with that financially, and then to get hit with the obviously the pandemic um, yeah. uh, financially, it has made me realise how what I need to do, and that is to take risks regularly, mm. where mm. I can only only risks that. I can regularly afford. So rather than have one big risk a year, I'd rather have 10 risks a year that I can brush off and not really have to think too much about it because then those seeds can grow into oak trees rather than, yeah. do you know what I mean? Just trying to dash all your seed in, 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 one, yeah. in one pot and hope that, hope, that, hope that it grows. Yeah, there's no need to cripple yourself and you know, put your eggs in one basket. It's, it's not, it's, it's almost what's, expect it's almost what you see people yes. doing on yeah that whole exactly that yeah exactly that and that that's what i was um curious of when i asked you about the entrepreneurial stereotype the entrepreneurial yeah. stereotype unfortunately is so and so lost his job and lost his house yeah. and he slept in a <laughs> he slept yeah. in a also oh, he, he lost his job he slept in a car uh, yeah. after be leaving his leaving his wife and then as soon as he went through his divorce, he sold up every single asset that he heard, chucked, chucked it all into one business, and then he was worth a billionaire next week. Yeah. And that's the... Oh my God, <laughs> what's, more, what's more relatable, right? Somebody that's had all of that, you know, maybe they've lost this person or that person, they're exactly like that, they're homeless for this long. Or somebody that's come from a nice family, good friends around them, generally quite a happy person, in a job that they liked, but they decided to do it anyway. 
Mm. That to me is more inspirational than someone who's, although it's amazing, I can't relate to it. And you know what? I easily could have not done anything. I would have been fine financially. It would be fine. But I wanted to do it for me. And I think that message is important because you don't need to be in dire straits to then if you want to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. That's why I I read uh, a while ago, I read Phil Knight's book. Phil Knight is um, the founder of Nike. And it was just, it was just his story of someone who liked running. He really liked running. His friends liked running and he wanted some shoes to run in. So he started sourcing (laughs) some shoes to run in. And then gradually it was a roller coaster. It got Mm. obviously bigger and bigger. But like shoe dog. Yeah, yeah, shoe dog. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I really liked about it. Nikki, we're going to be uh, going through a a word association game, if that's all right. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this before. Yes, I think I've played one before, but I'm a bit nervous. Okay, so basically (laughs) what you need to do is I'm going to say a word and I want you to think of the first word that comes to your mind. (laughs) Right? Now, you will naturally, with some of them, you'll have longer delays than others. It doesn't mean that that's a a bad thing or anything like that. It just means Mm. that it might mean something. Okay. All right. Then. Cool. You ready? <laughs> yeah. So you got to just clear your mind, relax as oh much God. as you can. Okay. Okay. Wait, <laughs> wait. Let me just adjust. Okay. Right. Get Think me. of the first word that comes to your head. Food. Chips. <laughs> <laughs> Phone. iPhone. But is that allowed? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's just boring. So okay. Come on. All right then. iPhone. <laughs> Instagram. Dogs. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> Social media. TikTok. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I was trying no, to think outside the box. No, no, don't think. Yeah. Don't think. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Yeah, sorry. don't think. Don't think. Cats. Okay. Cuddles. Ah. Uh, yeah. Jewelry. Dainty. <laughs> Business. Discovery. Nice. That's a really nice one. That's a really, really okay. nice one. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Family. Fun. Nice. Yeah. Money. Mole problems. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what? It's because yesterday we were talking about what we'd do if we won the lottery. Yeah. And then we're talking about how it would actually, it often brings more stress and people end up depressed if they win the lottery. Absolutely. So just, we were start talking about that. And it's that's the, why that was on my mind. And it's the value of the journey, isn't it? Like if you get to, I don't know, mm. I, I think the, the, the journey gives meaning to the outcome. And yeah. for a lot of these individuals who've won the lottery, man, they've, they've, they've won very, they've, they've, they've got the outcome and they haven't got the reward of the journey. And it's such a... Yeah. Because so, so many of them end up depressed and a lot yeah. of them... I lonely, mean, probably. Lonely. And then as well as that, um, a lot of people's financial situations are like leaky buckets anyway. So if, yeah. you, if you pour a load of money, if you pour a load of water into a leaky bucket, you're not going to have mm. much water left after a little while. And I think the same thing it's happens so with true. lottery money. They were saying, I think they do it now with your, the sort of set for life model where they pay you 10 grand a month. Yeah, that makes that so much is, more sense. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's quite nice of them to do that as well. Otherwise, a lot yeah. of people would have thought of buying more lottery tickets. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, as you were. Last Sorry. couple. Okay. Wine. Red. 
No, that's boring. No, I, that's, that's good. Sh- I got excited. Red wine is good. I like. Yeah, red, red wine. wine is good. Yeah. Oh, well, you what, know what, what else are you going to say? I was, I was trying to think of an emotion towards the words you're saying rather than like a, a noun. Or, <laughs> you need so, to stop thinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you know what? I realised I'm growing up when I like, I literally randomly overnight decided I liked red wine. I was like, I am now an adult. Why no? <laughs> Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It took me La- long enough. Last word. <laughs> Weekend. Binge. Okay, nice. Very good. Yeah. These are all really positive. Yeah. Okay, good. They're random. They are random. They are random. I tried to make some of them on trend, like the jewelry's on trend, business is on trend. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I mean, my, <laughs> so my answers really... are random. Yeah, no, it's good. They're supposed to be. So the, the logic is, it was created by, it was generated by Freud, by Sigmund mm. Freud, who is uh, mm. uh, obviously like one of the founding fathers of psychology. And he used it to get a good insight into the unconscious mind of individuals. So because your conscious mind doesn't have a chance to think, uh, yeah. the unconscious reaction comes out but when yeah. sometimes not all the time sometimes when you pause it's your conscious mind trying to censor the unconscious yeah. mind because yeah. you you almost know what's going to potentially come out that you don't approve of so then you like you filter it and then you change it not for you but for other people yeah. it might be the, might be that's the case. crazy so it reminds me <laughs> of the the chimp paradox that i'm reading now oh you liking yeah. it oh, oh i'm loving it oh that's it's good. so good honestly it's changing a lot for me and i'm only i'm only like three quarters of the way through but so this morning I dropped my green tea on the floor I was really pissed off like it was obviously that would normally you know something like that which you'd think oh that's the start for a bad day that's sometimes where I'd let my mind take me it's been like oh god sake, I don't need to happen maybe it's just one of those days but then I thought this is not a big deal so I basically was trying to calm the chimp that was reacting and I yeah. was like this could be cleaned up in seconds sorted it out carried on my day I just and I, I know it's so minor, but I felt proud of myself for not getting frustrated at all. Like it didn't touch me, it didn't affect my day. And that's just the sort of thing I need to do more of because I just want to be more in control of my emotions and my reactions to stuff. 100%. Yeah. The, um, the, the, so the chimp paradox, is it, who's it written by? Is, this, is it Stevenson? Steve. Stevens? Steve. Oh, I don't know. Steve what? Uh, Steve Peters, maybe? I can't yeah, remember. that's Steve it. That is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you did so, well. It's a CBT, which and a lot of CBT has its. Um, it takes a lot of influence from Stoic philosophy, and mm. one one trait of Stoic philosophy, or one, uh, I suppose, pillar of Stoic philosophy, is that you're not in control of the event, but you're in control of your reaction to the event. So yeah. you've got you've got your mind, and then you've got the event, and then you've got the reaction, which bridges the two, which is like exactly mm. what what you're essentially doing. You're you're yeah, exactly. controlling that 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 middle ground. Do you know what was nice for the book was for because I've been so angry at myself for say a I want to be a powerful strong woman and me just crying at stuff like I get upset I hate that I do that I have no I feel like I have no control over it and it's 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 so annoying it is yeah it, honestly, I, 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 my, my family are full of strong women and they they cry so <laughs> it's just, it's, it feels to me yeah I start just I just want to be stronger in in mm. that I want to be emotionally more in control and. Um, I think as soon as the book said that you are the human, all of the traits that you want to be, you're the human. And then the chimp, which is your like primitive self, occasionally hijacks you. So it's actually, it's not your fault, but you're responsible for it. Exactly. They're just literally, it made it, it made it sound as though you've got, you've got a pet dog. Obviously you can't control that dog. Dog's completely separate entity to you, but you're responsible for, you know, keeping it in check. And that, 
I ended up just feeling way less, um, sort of like, didn't feel the need to beat myself up as much. I was thinking, well, that's my chimp, you know, Absolutely. I can handle it. I have to be honest, than... I think that that is one of the most negative side effects of, um, I'll be a little bit controversial, one of the negative side effects of, of Christianity on Western Europe or, or a lot of Europe and the, the Western world is that there are, because at the end of the day, anyone growing up in England has been influenced by Christianity or at least a Christian philosophy somewhat mm. in terms of ethics and moral and et cetera, et cetera. And the whole concept of you're a bad person if you're angry or you're a bad yeah. person if you think in a bad yeah. way, which yeah. is completely, is completely false by other religions, interpretations of yeah. good and bad. But it's so, it's not a nice place to be in. To shame yourself and to shame yourself on a consistent basis is not a nice place to be in. You at don't all. grow. That's what they're saying about the whole cancel culture. So, you know, those sort of celebrities who'd get a tweet that would sort of rise up from years ago. Yeah. That is not, that is the complete opposite of what we should be doing. We sh- that you're just shunning them for something that they've already learned and grown from and you're reminding it. them of it. So, you're, yeah, it's, it's not right. And the other thing. Be- absolutely and and the other thing is that i think cancel culture can a lot of the time cancel conversation so if you've got Mm. a point of view which i disagree with i'm going to cancel cancel you rather than discuss discuss it with you and Mm. a lot of the time the best way to 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 extinguish a very unfavorable perspective is to actually have a conversation with that individual on an open playing field so yeah for example um during when transatlantic when transatlantic slavery was rife in America, you had someone called Frederick Douglass who escaped slavery and he came to the UK. And the first thing that he did on the UK is he did a speaking circuit and he had mm-hmm. conversations in Oxford University, Cambridge University, and he would have conversations, debates with vicious racists. But the mm-hmm. best thing it did is it put the conversation in the outcome, and the people could look at these two intelligent individuals mm-hmm. having a discussion and say that by far is the right way to go based on the rhetoric. And the opposite would be, for example, what happened to um, to Hitler, which is where he had a very vicious, nasty rhetoric, and rather mm-hmm. than being denounced. I suppose rather than... It was encouraged. He was, but he was driven underground originally. And if you drive hatred underground and if you don't let it speak, you can't, you can't counter it. So, that, wow. so what I'm saying is I think that it would be much better to, if someone has a, a, a perspective that is unfavourable or that you don't like, it would be much better for that person to face another person of equal or higher intellect Mm. and see them demolished on a world stage rather than drive them underground. Ah, so to actually just have a conversation. Yeah, I would have thought so. But I'm sure, I'm sure there's other people who convert us up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Not everything should be punished, should it? No, or at least things should at least be open for conversation. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. It's, 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 been a, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, it's great. <laughs> Very deep conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, anyone... How can anyone listening get hold of some Nikita by Nikki jewellery and check out your products? Yeah, so you just go online at nikitabynikki.com. My Instagram account is Nikki Mahone, that's with one K, M-A-H-O-N. And yeah, you're very welcome to come on there. And yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you. No problem at all. Thank you, Nikki. All right, cheers, Al. <laughs>